This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to another episode of Covenant Community Kids podcast. I am Jackie Jones. I'm Genevieve Jones. And our guest today is Elizabeth Royce. How are you doing today, Elizabeth? Thank you so much for being on with us. I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. So what drew you to be on the podcast in the first place? Like, how did you hear about it? And what did, made you decide to come on? I think, well, I think it was the um, the, face group, the Facebook group. I think it's yeah. called, oh, okay, cool. is it, I forget the name. It's pretty long. The Covenant Communities, the good, bad, the bad and the ugly or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's something I've been following and actually getting a lot of, a lot of resources from because there's mm-hmm. been a lot of articles. And um, as I mentioned earlier, because I've, I've been working on some stories about growing up so that it's actually was, has provided me with like a lot of materials that I haven't been able to find on my own. Um, and it's been, I can't always, some of the stuff is really triggering for me that people post. So I can't always like really handle it that much, but, but it's pretty Mm -hmm. validating, but that's how I saw your post. And I was just so excited because I've thought about doing a podcast, um, and people have told me that I should do one. And, Mm -hmm. um, I kind of just have too many projects going on. And, um, <laughs> but I even, I went so far as to like book some, they had some free podcast time. They were offering at Grove Studios. And then I found out I didn't have uh, the right laptop. So oh, oh, it gosh. hasn't happened. It hasn't. Yeah. So I'm so excited that you're doing this because it's just, yeah. it's so important to give us a voice. And that's one of the, the big things that I feel is that people in my generation ha- don't have a voice. We never really got any sort of help after what we went through and we kind of like just had to figure it out on our own and you know that's how it is so I didn't I was just jumping at it I was like stalking my email waiting to hear from you guys (laughs) so yeah it's really great yeah that this is becoming coming into people's awareness and people are talking about it I think it's very healing for everybody and just a lot of people have no idea about the way that we grow up and right. and the the whole culture of the charismatic you know covenant community and a lot of people have no idea it's very weird because i live in ann arbor ipsy okay mm-hmm. and a lot of people have no idea that this huge subculture happened right yeah. under their noses because right. yeah. that makes sense because the nature of it was that it was a very closed off thing right. And a lot of people have heard of it and it's just, it's very bizarre that, yeah. it's, that it's something that continues to affect me today. But in the reality, it's, I've, I've just was thinking I've lived more of my life. I'm 48 now. Mm-hmm. I've lived more of my life not being in the community than I have in the community. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
I've got that going for me. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. sure there's just as much, you know, untraining and deconstruction now as there was construction mm. of it. So yeah, that's probably I helpful. Did, I did a lot of work. I sort of had like a, yeah. a spiritual awakening. I think I was in my mid twenties and mm-hmm. was really, um, really, really depressed and feeling, um, I, I don't think I was taking very good care of myself and ended up living mm-hmm. in a friend's basement. And I don't remember the situation except that I was all alone in this basement mm-hmm. and I felt like I was losing my mind and I just prayed the rosary because mm-hmm. I, I felt like that's all I could do. And I don't know how long I prayed. Yeah. It was a really long time, but I just remember that I left the house and I just started getting drawn into these bookstores, like used bookstores and picking mm-hmm. up, um, picking up everything and just opening up the books and feeling like the books were talking to me and, you know, going mm-hmm. to Franciscan university of Steubenville, we were only allowed to read Catholic authors really oh, and philosophers wow. and theology. And I'm really interested in that stuff. So I read Nietzsche mm-hmm. for the first time and mm-hmm. I started just, um, I was actually the women I were living, I was living with were Wiccans. So, um, I began to meet all of these people from, I met a man from the Sufi, Mm -hmm. um, Muslim face, which is a mystical order. I actually worked at his store for a while. I met a Tibetan Buddhist. I just started meeting all of these people and learning about everything and kind of trying everything out and just realizing like, I have to consciously debrainwash myself in order to find my faith because I've always practiced the Catholic faith. Um, right but I really didn't know if it was just because that's and ironically what I practice now is completely different from what I learned growing up mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. And so yeah. I really tried everything and I always found some philosophical problem with it. And um, mm-hmm. I started reading yeah. like St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the cross. And I really identified with the mystics of the Mm -hmm. church. And that's kind of how I found my way back in. Mm, So like really the heart of, of what my beliefs and what my practice are practices. And I love all the rituals. I love the candles of the incense and, you know, going up, growing up and not having a church and going to church and like high school auditoriums and stuff like that. There wasn't all of that. There wasn't the silence. There wasn't the reverence. There wasn't those things. So yeah. I hope that wasn't a big tangent I just went on. No, it was great. No, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah for sure. Have you so, seen, yeah. Um, I wonder what that's like for other people to have that moment. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I've had very similar um experiences with just like realizing that, you know, what I grew up in isn't like I had such strong faith in it. And then I realized that other people grew up with such different faiths with the same amount of conviction. Mm -hmm. It was really cool to like, I did kind of the same thing in college, like exploring and trying on different religions and learning about them. And I'm, I'm just curious to go on this tangent a little longer. Have you noticed any Mm -hmm. like similarities between all of them? Cause I found like a, Mm -hmm. a really similar current between all of them. Yeah, another another really um, eye-opening experience was that I worked at Crazy Wisdom 
Tea Room bookstore. Oh, cool. And that was actually oh, nice. right out right out of um, going to treatment at Don Farms. I got the job there and okay. I've been working in the restaurant industry for a while. So learning about all the teas and the coffees was perfect for me because mm-hmm. I was all into like talking about the properties of wines and that whole language yeah. and tea is very yeah. similar, but mm-hmm. I met like a lot of healers. Um, they would do different kinds of readings at the tea room and um, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of alternative medicine, which I'm really interested in. and. So I met a lot of fascinating people and yeah, what I, what I concluded meeting all these people is that we're basically talking about the same thing in a different language. Yes. I love that. That's exactly how I put it. Like <laughs> some nuns came in yeah. and, um, and got a bunch of lavender, um, like mm. lavender tea and stuff. And, um, I thought that was, that was really cool. And, Interesting. and also yeah. finding out like that, um, I think it was St. Hildegard of Bingen was um, used like uh, quartz and different kinds of stones for healing. And that's oh, something wow. I also learned a lot about at the bookstore because I worked um, also at the counter and they sell a lot of um, a lot of minerals and different things that have different properties. And I was raised yeah. that that was all stuff of the occult. Right, right. Like yeah. that's all not allowed. And that's something I really I'm really attracted to. I've gotten um, mm-hmm. I actually have a Reiki attunement, um, which is very similar to like the laying on of hands type of stuff that people would do growing up, you know, where somebody like puts their hand on you and prays for you. And, and I only feel that energy. If I put my hand on somebody else, I feel all this super intense energy. Um, so I was like, oh, that's the same thing too, basically. It's, you I know, never yeah. thought about that connection before, but that's, yeah, that's so true. I'm also drawn to that and I, I relate it back to that. It's the, it's the, I'm curious, did it take you a while to like make that transfer or was it, was it ever like triggering to have that experience or was it always kind of something that you wanted to do? Like, does that make sense? Like uh, <laughs> doing the Reiki? Yeah, like, um, was the was the feeling ever so similar that it was hard to do, or was it always something that you felt like you wanted to um, feel? Like, was the uh, yeah. feeling of of connection and that kind of energy transfer from the laying on of hands and the charismatic aspect of community was that something that you felt like was missing and was fulfilled by Reiki and other different practices like mm-hmm. that? It sort of explained to me what, you know, what I was feeling, you know, at that time when I was really young and like praying with people and stuff like that. It was just like interesting to be like, this is a thing that, you know, Mm -hmm, is practiced in other faiths and has some value. And um, it was very, um, I haven't practiced it a lot. I mostly practiced it on myself but it doesn't really work on myself. Like I don't feel the same kind of stuff, but it was was very cleansing and it was very um, healing to me. And one thing I noticed after the attunement is that I, I've always been, I'm a serious cat lady. I've always Mm -hmm. been around cats Mm -hmm. and I kind of like, I'm afraid of dogs slash thought I had to choose to be either a dog or cat person. And I was just like, yeah, they just like everybody it's not that special they're losers you know you can kick them and they'll come back 
I always had. <laughs> and I had a thing about babies too, because I'm the oldest of six and right. I raised a lot of babies. And then I babysat everybody else in our neighborhood and there were like 30 kids. So right. I don't have wow. any children of my own. And part mm -hmm. of the reason is because I was present when most of my siblings were born. So I have no, oh, wow. there was no mystery around that at all. And I was like, I will never, yeah. I will never be doing that. That would be a hard that's, thing to see as a child. See, I was yeah. horrified. I was hiding in the yeah. bathroom. And wow. actually Rose loves to tell, loves this story about how I, when she was born, they made me cut her umbilical cord. Wow. And so she thinks that's why, that's one of the reasons that we're really bonded. Aww. Um, yeah. Because she and I have very similar spirituality and very similar things okay cool um, yeah which is really cool but um i totally lost my train of thought what was i talking about oh after the attunement <laughs> like i had this yeah. experience i was waiting tables outside this dog walked by and i looked in the dog's eyes and i swear i got it i was just like i it was Whoa. like the avatar like i see you i feel you oh, wow. i was like <laughs> i get it now like all that love <laughs> and yeah, thinking of babies yeah. like babies will start mm. will stare at me and if they're old oh, enough they'll start oh. following me and dogs too oh but wow it totally like busted me open in that way yeah. i had been like so closed off yeah. um so that was something i was really not expecting at all yeah and, you know, i'm really so cool. glad it was like a positive experience um, yeah yeah very much yeah man. so i think praying with people is beautiful that's one of the yeah. that's one of the few things i really related to i never i never received the gift of tongues um yeah one of my my the memories that sticks out to me most is being in here on valley school and being in the prayer room and mm -hmm. upstairs and every all the girls in my class had their hands on me you know how they'd have like one hand and then you put your hand on the person in the back of them and so they're all yeah. praying yep. for you and i realized and i'm in the chair in the middle of the room that they were going to keep praying until i spoke in tongues so i just faked oh, it wow. yeah you know yes. i just yep because i was terrified yeah that's a and, lot of pressure yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah right yeah. so i yeah. always felt like i was kind of a failure because i didn't receive the gift of tongues i didn't like raising my hands mm -hmm. i didn't like all the it was too noisy for me all the charismatic yeah. stuff so the 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 praying where you put your hand on people that's kind of the only thing i felt um yeah. that i had and now i feel yeah. very different i feel like i have a lot of gifts of the holy spirit i have the gift of music i yeah. have the gift of hospitality i have compassion yeah. i i did receive a lot of gifts but at the time i just i felt like i didn't and people yeah. would be like you gotta yeah. get the spirit like other christian friends of mine you gotta right and i was like i have the spirit yeah yeah oh, elizabeth that's making me emotional because I, <laughs> I had a very similar experience just oh did like, you yeah i didn't ever speak in tongues didn't want to didn't like raising my hands didn't like any of the really like expressive things but definitely felt like a deep um compassion for people and sometimes i felt like i had like visions or things like you know more way more internal like um, senses and things yeah like that. yeah mm -hmm. very like empath and yeah um, i love that kind of 
framing that you've done for yourself of like no those like those were gifts i did have gifts they were just different you Mm. know i really relate to yeah the um, the empath thing that's something i've been learning about the past few years about how and but it was so severe for me for a long time i couldn't tell my feelings from somebody else's feelings and i didn't really have my own feelings i didn't really have my own yeah it wasn't until i ended up in um Al-Anon has been really helpful for me. Oh, um, good. Yeah. As far as learning boundaries. I didn't even know what boundaries right. were. I didn't know I was right. allowed to have boundaries. I didn't know I was allowed to say no, especially to yeah. my family. Yeah. Or anybody yeah. that asked anything of me. Yeah. How do you think you know? growing up in, you know, the word of God and that kind of an environment um, shaped that? Because I know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of connection there, I'm sure. Yeah just well i think being being a woman and growing up in you know a big household and just like you're taught that there's some things that are your job to do and that you're supposed to take care of other people and i think a lot of women in my generation were raised like that and our mothers were raised like that so i think it's part of partly a cultural thing but i think it was more severe to where like my dad was not allowed to do the dishes i remember that because that was not men's work. So he wasn't allowed to do any of the child care, any cooking, any cleaning. So guess who did that? Right. So that's another thing I've benefited from a lot that I, um, I know how to, my mom was a really awesome, like before her time, whole foods kind of person, like no Mm, processed food. We had this awesome co-op that we went to. I don't know if you remember the fireside co-op yep oh yeah we used to go there too yep i still go to like get the like the huge vats of peanut butter i still eat that natural peanut butter i can make bread um right so i i know a lot of things that i know how to sell my mom was really you know making us everything Mm -hmm. from hand and so compared to a lot of a lot of my friends that didn't grow up with the same domestic skills but it was definitely like i pretended i was cinderella a lot because I knew that I belonged yeah. somewhere else. I was like, this is not, yeah. this is not where I belong. Maybe someday if I get all my chores done. Oh my gosh. I'm to go yeah. to the ball. Oh my gosh. But yeah. So then you went more... to, to Steubenville after, after high school. And that was, you were sort of thinking that would be like getting away, but then it seems yeah. like maybe it wasn't. Well, it was definitely, um, my parents wanted me to stay home and go to Eastern and I really okay. just couldn't wait to get away from my parents. Yeah. Um, so that, and it was a small school and I was really, really shy at the time. Mm-hmm. And I already knew my roommate, um, Jen okay. Cerner, whose father was a coordinator yeah. and, yep. um, a lot of my friends were going there. So for me, it, it okay. was not based on like any, anything else, but just feeling like that was more comfortable for me. And, I really wanted some theology. I was really confused. Mm -hmm. I really wanted some, something different and to find out, I felt like I didn't know really what being Catholic meant. Mm -hmm. Um, I just knew about being in a community and the charismatic kind of worship and stuff, which I never related to that much. Like we were like, like you were sharing too. You didn't, you didn't get a lot of that. And yeah. And it was very charismatic there. There was, the church, the masses were kind of like prayer meetings. They okay. wanted you to join households. Oh, wow. Which yeah. is really crazy because household was 
was a word of God, you know, that was a word right? that was used for, um, you know, whether it's, I'm not sure exactly what that meant. Um, for like single people living together, I think. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because I think household has definitely a certain connotation in my mind, but I think it, it's like, it could be formed from you know one family that hosts different single people or it's multiple single men or single women living together but there's definitely a community commitment yeah yeah and we yeah but also like a a specific lifestyle that that comes with like Mm -hmm. um yeah like certain things you celebrate together and certain things you don't do together or you know usually a lot of if it's single men and single women living in households, a lot of time they're not dating, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. different, different rules. And, um, yeah. so they, they the language was, was kind of similar in a lot of ways. And we did have single people living with us when I was growing up, we had a spare room and we had a young man mm-hmm. come over from Honduras when I was in high school oh, wow. to actually escape the draft. Um, Oh, wow. Wow. So, and he was just miserable, poor guy, because he didn't speak. Oh. He had to learn to speak English and go to a public high school, you know? Oh so that God. was very, oh, I was like, yeah. why isn't he happy? Oh. <laughs> why doesn't he want to talk to us? And I didn't, <laughs> I was so sheltered. I still don't know anything about politics. Yeah. Yeah. People tell me about stuff and I'm like. It's a lot to catch up on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I got, I, I already got too much going on. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a redhead. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on. There's there. already a lot of politics <laughs> and just me trying to exist yeah. and deal yeah. with people yeah. in my day to day life and, and being a woman of a certain age and not yeah. being married, and not having children. Right. Is something that's yeah. kind of, you know, I feel like I, that's that's kind of due to my to the years that I spent just partying in that you know I started in my early 20s I got sober at 35 so that's I feel like when people are usually Mm -hmm. planning their careers and if you're going to have a family that's when you're doing that and so I feel I feel sad that I kind of missed the boat on that in some ways because I was Mm -hmm. just living like there was no tomorrow I didn't have any plans for the future I was just trying to kind of running trying to stay ahead of my anxiety or whatever pain I was in and, um, you know, trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's weird that a lot of, I have some friends I went to school with that actually live in Steubenville and, um, like through Facebook, I've stayed connected to a lot of people and, um, they all have like 13 kids. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And they have really, (laughs) you know, kept that lifestyle going of like having the big family and all that stuff. And, um, and that's something I, I don't have in common with them. You know, I didn't, right. I sort of went out on, went out on my own, not really by choice, just, just that's how it happened, I guess. Yeah. But I I do hear you saying too, that, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you have so many different projects going on all the time and you Mm -hmm. have this like really full enriched life and I think that's awesome. Like it's it's hard sometimes when like the way our lives go or the way things turn out and happen isn't like this idea that we had when we were kids, you mm-hmm. know, like 
when you're thinking you're Cinderella and you'll get to the ball, you know, maybe the ball is in a different venue or with a different crowd, but you know, yeah. it's still, well, yeah. Now that I'm and for a lot of time, a lot of years, I actually started, um, when I, I started making myself sing in front of people, I've always been singing in choir and everything, but I was, it was like my own little yeah. secret. Like I was too shy to sing in front of anybody, Aww. even though I knew I could like get the solo or get whatever. And I would yeah. go sing to the trees sometimes. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Um, they were my first audience, but I've yeah. always loved singing and been obsessed with singers and stuff like that. And so, um, I used to, there were a couple jazz clubs around Ann Arbor and I used to go right there because oh, cool. I didn't know anyone there. And I, the music kind of like helped me get into the flow. And there was a, yeah. like a jam session one night and I ended up singing a song with the band. And then, um, I still don't know how it happened. I was going to ask. Yeah, I was that's... like, that's a big jump. We just started talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I get along wow. with musicians well, I guess. And there was like nobody there yeah. at all. So I sang a song with them and then I, I would go, there were actually three places at that time that had, that had jazz and I didn't know anything about jazz at all. So I would go to the library and find a song and learn it and, um, Mm -hmm. and go and like sit in is what they call it. Um, yeah. And just, I didn't tell any of my friends I was doing it because I was so terrified. Mm -hmm. I would force myself to do it. And it was so scary, but it was, it was the best education I could have ever gotten as far as being, being a singer and learning how to communicate with other musicians without right. words. Right. Um, and, uh, one night the, the club was closed for some reason. And there was a comedy club called the improv Inferno. Okay. So I went to check it out and I was just horrified. It was like, it was all men. And the humor was so like anti-women. It was so dumb. It wasn't funny. And I got really, and there was a a bartender there who was a woman. And I was really like, where are the women? What's going on right right now? This is horrendous. And I, um, so I went back next week. So I wrote a little set, you know, five minutes. I wrote a little set. I had kind of like a bad Catholic girl persona that I was doing at the time uh-huh. okay. and it was really the first time in my life like I didn't feel like I had anything to lose I really yeah, had been, yeah. I had had my heart really badly broken by mm. a guy that I was with and I was just like I just didn't care for the first time yeah. in my life I think I was 25 or 26 yeah. I was pretty like broken down and like what are you gonna say to me like yeah you had like a wow. Mrs. Maisel moment yeah I haven't seen that I oh my gosh, you somewhere. gotta watch it. Oh, it's yeah, amazing. I did, really and good. I Very got up, and I just <laughs> <laughs> and um, to for me, it's like what I was. I'm totally prepared to to do that to do comedy because all I did in college was make outlines. Yeah, and yeah. Poetry <laughs> That's and poetry awesome. is like shrinking everything down to the very like the kernel. Yeah, the and that's what writing it. for comedy is—is is yeah. that you have to get right to the punchline to keep people's yeah, interest. yeah. So, do you still do comedy? Yeah. Oh, that's the, amazing. COVID wow. has been really I devastating. Love <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I've actually started. Um, I started doing a show. Um, that I would do on Facebook, and I have a YouTube channel now and okay. Instagram called Cake Therapy. 
Okay. Perfect. And um, it was inspired by um, a guy that I was seeing long distance. Um, I had made him mm-hmm. a cake for his birthday and we were about to have a visit and I found out he mm-hmm. sort of just ghosted me. And then I found out, I Googled him for the first time and I found out he had something in his past that he hadn't shared with me that was pretty bad. And I just oh, thought, how am I going to process this? Like, clearly I should never speak to this person again. So yeah. it was a pumpkin Ugh. cheesecake, which was his favorite. So I got it out of the freezer and I was like, I'm just going to eat this <laughs> cake. I'm going to eat all of my feelings right now. Literally. <laughs> and uh, I didn't eat the whole thing. I gave some away. Uh-huh. But then I realized that the problem was that I just, when I was making the cake, there were all like my loving feelings. And what I really needed to process was all my like, angry and betrayed feelings and all of this stuff. So yeah, the next time I made one, I just decided I need to add these feelings as an ingredient into my cake. Yeah. And then I'm turning it into something beautiful. Yeah. It's sort of like an, like an alchemy experience. Yeah. And then I'm, and then it's delicious and I'm, I'm still eating my feelings, but, um, and then, so that just kind of like, became a good platform for my comedy and so i would just talk about talk about the cake talk oh. about my feelings that's that's awesome. so cool <laughs> i'm gonna yeah i gotta check yeah that out. absolutely it's, yeah it really it really saved me because i really missed performing mm-hmm. so much it was really hard right. it was right. really hard i mean since i'm a sober girl like performing is kind of like that's the high that's the payoff yeah that's why i yeah. practice that's why i work so hard yeah and comedy yeah. is just like, I felt it from the first time that I got yeah. up on the stage. I felt like my presence just being in one spot. Like, yeah, I've always had a hard time being in the moment. I was just going to say, it's so grounding to be a performer. I feel the same way. And mm. I was just telling somebody recently, like, I think theater, it sounds so gross and pretentious when I said, but I think theater <laughs> is like, part of what's gonna keep me alive <laughs> like it's, no that doesn't it's sound seriously so like no that's not gross it's it's just like a i've never i never feel as present as i do on stage mm-hmm. it's wild I mean, like it's, right. i'm fully in my body yes you're connected and you feel there's i always i definitely it it really was hard for me when i um when I got sober, I kind of had to deal with my stage fright all over again, because mm-hmm. when I started performing, I also started drinking and yeah. I was, I was never drunk when I performed. Cause so I was mm-hmm. the annoying sober person at karaoke. <laughs> I actually hosted karaoke, had a job doing that when I, oh, wow. when I was a sober person. And yeah. Um, so I'm really grateful that it, it's not a trigger for me because right. yeah. I always considered it my job. And I always, right. I always got all of that energy, but it, it was a huge roller coaster for me because I would feel like right. so much fear. I feel like I couldn't do it. And then I would just blank out and then I would go up and it would just all come together. And so wow. afterwards I couldn't even listen to anybody else after that. I was like, uh, there's no one funnier than me. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one. And then yeah, I would I celebrate. And that's when I would get really, yeah. really drunk. And part of the reason, part of what I experienced being sober was that part of the reason I drank was to shut down the critic in my head. I'm a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the first year I was sober, every time that I sang, 
it's like there was the devil in my ear being like, who do you think you are? Oh, wow, you're washed yeah. up. Wow. You know, mm. you're just awful, awful things. And I finally said, I was like, all right, God, I'm not doing this anymore. This yeah. is too hard. Yeah. I, and it was actually my one year anniversary. And there was a show at um, Don Farms where I went to, to mm -hmm. through treatment. It was me and my guitar mm -hmm. player. And I got to perform and I, it was, I totally felt like from above something come over me and it, it all, wow. I felt that same thing that I had felt before. And it's been right. that way ever since, like all the, the wow. self-consciousness, like the voice in my head. And it's so, um, so that's been like a, a huge, huge gift. I started there was a piano at Don Farm and I started, I played and I actually wrote my first song. I didn't know I could write songs, yeah. um, but I forgot how much I loved that feeling of being connected to the music and how beautiful that is and better, better than any high I've ever had before. And, mm -hmm. um, and learning how to practice and enjoy the practice. Mm -hmm. I listen to myself now. I'm, I've become a much better singer because I, I record my practices and I listen to myself and like watching video mm. of yourself and stuff. It's very humbling. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, at first. It's it's like, why am I doing that with my hands? Right. Why didn't yeah. somebody <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But also, you know, now it's like, for the most part, when I listen to myself, it's better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, I, cool. still, I still have anxiety and I still, but I'm able to be more gentle with myself. And I know that like, the day after a show, I'm going to feel really vulnerable. And so yeah. I'm not allowed to listen to any recordings or look at any pictures because I'll just That's sit there right. and like pick. Right. Boundaries. Right. That's yep. awesome. So <laughs> it's still yeah. a roller coaster, but I, I know that it's just like, if I, I, I have a gift and I'm, yeah. I was given it so that I could share it. And for so long, I kept it just like so close to myself that yeah. now, um, I know if I give it my best and I try to just be connected to God and I ask God to just use me and, mm -hmm. um, he does because the next day I feel, I call it the showgirl hangover. And I think it's partly because <laughs> I have a mood disorder. So it's, it's too much. It's almost like I did some ecstasy yeah. or something yeah, like yeah. that where it's overwhelming. It's too yeah. much. I'm just busted out and I'm dancing for three hours. And of course I wear mm -hmm. six inch heels because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> a show girl I put all I it's like and I have that experience I think like we were talking about being um being empaths that's yeah, something yeah. I'm trying to learn how to do is like I can't really help but give everything all the energy that I have yeah totally. I'm learning how to contain it and mm -hmm. like of course there are yeah, a lot of people right. in the world yeah. that like narcissists love me and are very, right, I'm right. Like very attracted to them because I'm like, I have too much energy. Please suck me. Please yeah. take it. Please take it. Yep. And learning how to invest that energy back in my, into myself instead mm -hmm. of to be involved with other people's crisis and trying to fix other people. And I'm definitely very codependent by nature yeah. and people pleaser and all of that stuff. So that's like a huge mm -hmm. kind of experience that I don't know how that relates to growing up. Yeah. That I, I mean, felt, just I'm curious. I yeah, felt I like, I felt like I, I mean, growing up in my family in the word of God, I definitely felt like I existed for other people. 
Like that was my worth and what I could do for others and that I myself didn't have any purpose otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I thought you got people to care about you. I thought if you did enough for people or you listened to people enough that maybe they will listen to you someday. And, um, that's not true. Yeah. I feel so. Yeah. Yeah. I feel similarly about that. Um, and I'm, I don't know if it was the same for you. Um, but I heard a lot. Um, I am third. And, uh, so you put God first, you put family and friends. Well, I, sometimes people be like, actually it should be, I am fourth, uh, God, family, friends, then you. And I think for me that got to be a detrimental thought process for sure. It made me very codependent. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've been in therapy for a while, so I'm oh, working yeah. on it, but like, oh, yeah, me too. Oh yeah. <laughs> I became yeah. a therapist. So. Yeah. Edie's now with social <laughs> well, not yet, but on my way. Oh yeah. yeah basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just curious if that ever became like, it sounds like it became a very deeply ingrained thought process for you as well to just like, not really focus on your needs. I really, I really tried, um, not to have any needs. Like I tried to make myself needless because I thought that people wouldn't want to be around me if I had needs. Mm -hmm. And I used to criticize other people for being very needy. So I tried to be really emotionally self-sufficient. Yeah. You know, being, you know, I've been supporting myself since I was babysitting (laughs) since I moved out of my parents' house. You know, I've, it never occurred to me that like, I can't relate, you know, to a man supporting me. I've never had that experience or can't imagine what that's like. And the older I get, the better it sounds. Yeah. Because I don't like working that much. (laughs) (laughs) And I wish somebody else was around to like do the dishes or go grocery shopping. But, um, it's, but I mean, that independence has, that was really difficult it's real was really difficult for me to let people in. And that's something that started happening Mm -hmm. when I, um, when I got sober and, um, part of my shutting, shutting things down was when my sister got sick because she was my other half. She was, she was the person that validated my reality. And I Mm -hmm. felt like if I didn't tell her about something like that, it didn't happen. And we're almost like, uh, like twins in that way. And so yeah. when she disappeared from my life, I started writing a lot. I started journaling mm. and um, having that be the person that I talked to. And I yeah. missed her so much that I pretty much decided I'm not ever going to miss anybody like this mm. again. Yeah. I am just going to listen to people. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to share with anybody anything because I never want, I had to listen to so much of her psychosis and ranting and yeah. stuff that I felt and also my mother was verbally abusive. Um, mm. so I felt like I never want to make somebody feel held hostage in the way that I have felt. And I felt like, mm. like that was not okay. Like you just have to say you're fine. And right. I think that was part of the upbringing, the community upbringing too, is to make everything look good. Oh, yeah. Right. If someone asks how you're doing, you're not allowed to be like, yeah, I'm not feeling that well today. You have to be like, yeah. great. How are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, you can't the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's mm-hmm. your, you have to just give all the time. Yeah. 
yeah, is yeah. what I felt that that's yeah. the way to be close to God or that's, that's your calling or yeah, whatever it may be. And it's yeah. just so interesting how finding out that everything, everything kind of that I was raised with was backwards. Like you are actually supposed to take care of yourself first. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you're no good to anybody else. Yeah. It's like that whole, uh, put your oxygen mask on. Yeah. Yeah. So so basic that, and sometimes I just, it it disturbs me that, you know, I just, I get so confused about things that other people don't think Mm -hmm. about for a second, like taking a day off work is so hard for me. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I just uh, started a job that is really, um, is really killing me. It's really stressful. It's really dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been there for about two weeks and I put in mm-hmm. my notice on Thursday. Yeah. And I was so wow. scared to put in my notice. Oh, I always feel felt, I felt like, I always feel like I have to explain myself. I feel yeah. responsible. Yes. I feel like it is my problem. How are they? I tried to get some yeah. of my friends to work there. Like I stopped myself before I went completely yeah. overboard with it and started thinking like, maybe I can stay, blah, blah, blah. But right, I've never right. in my life been in a financial position where I've been able to leave a dysfunctional job. It's usually been like, I don't give myself options. So I have to stay yeah. in a bad, unhealthy environment. And that's something that I've been able to do is to leave a situation. But if I feel like I'm yeah. needed, it's so hard to leave. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Even when it's, you know, detrimental to your own well-being. Sure. Yeah, that's tough. Mm-hmm. If yeah, somebody I needs know. something, you have to say yes. It really doesn't matter. Like it, And then it would really confuse me if I would ask somebody to work for me because I would always work for somebody. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Because I never had yeah. plans. I didn't want to make plans. I, I right. was terrified of deciding anything, really. So I couldn't relate. And then I would ask someone to work for me that I'd worked for a bunch. And they'd be like, I have plans. I was like, what do you mean? Right. What are these plans? Where's the back and forth? Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. being like, yeah. oh, okay, I guess now I don't do... I don't do stuff for other people unless it's in my best interest. I have to check in with myself yep. and I'm, I'm a real stickler about, um, not agreeing to things unless I check my schedule because I will like triple book myself. So yeah, my life can be really, really unmanageable because I, it's a good thing to want to help people. And yes, um, yeah. that's like the very, a very beautiful thing about that I found in AA is that that's also about being of service. Yeah. But it's about being of service in a way that benefits you. Like it, Mm -hmm. when I'm working with a sponsee or they call me, it's always right when I actually need to get out of my own head and I need to feel useful. So I get off the phone and I feel like they just gave me a huge gift and that I feel more connected to myself and God Mm -hmm. and everything. And they're sitting here thinking I'm helping them. And it's like a beautiful, (laughs) you know, organic way of doing something. And it's, it's just brilliant to me that that works. And I guess it's a whole different story that I was, um, actually required to go to AA after I got some DUIs Mm -hmm. and I 
did not want to go. I went to one mm. meeting. I was like, oh, this is a bunch of white men talking about God. Right. And I'm not interested. I don't want to yeah. join any groups. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They they were using words like some triggering words. Mm-hmm. Like fellowship. Oh, they yeah. They call it a fellowship. I was like, oh, yeah. no. I, no, I've been, I've been to- here before. Yeah, it seems like it. it would be- <laughs> I've been yeah. going to church by myself for years. I don't want to go with yeah. anyone else. I don't socialize. It's mine. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want anyone telling me what God's telling me because I've been listening to that my whole life. People yeah. trying to tell me yeah. and me being like, how do you know what God's saying to me? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's it's so, so- yeah. That's the feeling that I had with community was like, I have such a, I had such a personal relationship with God. I'm not practicing mm-hmm. Catholic anymore, but I was very strongly and it felt community and Catholicism felt very separate to me. It felt like the community relationship. And this is just sounding similar to what you're saying with, with AA and wanting just that relationship with God to be yours. Mm-hmm. I relate with that to community. Yeah. Can you, um, can you talk a little bit about how that changed for you? Like how, how were you able to um, go from, you know, initially feeling kind of triggered. And I know you mentioned earlier too, that Dawn Farms had a lot of the same rules that word of God had. I'm sure that was its Mm -hmm. own whole thing. And then it sounds like now today you have a really healthy relationship with it and are Mm -hmm. able to, you know, be a a member without feeling those things. How did that happen? Well, I was sort of forced into it. I mean, yeah. I ended up being court ordered to rehab, and my only mm-hmm. options, if I messed up, I was going to jail for a year. Okay. Um, so that's where it was. I had pretty much just ruined everything in my last yeah. drinking bout. So mm-hmm. I was, and I knew how to play the game. Yeah. Also, I was like, I know how to do this. So I got away with a right. lot, right. and I ended up being like the leader of my group and like, mm you know, very, you know, seemingly high achieving, even though I was not open at all. I was still like not kind of turning, not, not giving it up that much. Um, I had a lot of secrets, but uh, we had to go. Part of the treatment is that you go to meetings every night and um, you have, you can have people come and pick you up, which I didn't do often because I was terrified. I couldn't ask for help. I was like right back mm-hmm. in high school, painfully shy again. Um, so yeah. you'd have to go, we called it the druggy buggy. We'd have to go in this van. <laughs> and um, and I remember the first meeting I went to that I walked in and I was sitting with a, bun- with a group of women and I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, this is just a bunch of people like me who are too nice mm. and who like sabotage themselves. Mm. And you know, my eyes just got open and I realized it was nothing like I thought it was. I was, you know, it's, it is everything that I've always believed secretly that everyone has their own higher power. Mm-hmm. Everyone's responsible of their own conscience. You know, the, the things that the steps and kind of the things they tell you are suggestions. Right. You know, right. you're the only requirement is that you have the desire not to drink for that day. You don't have to say you're an alcoholic. That's something I thought that you had to commit oh, to yeah. for the rest of yeah. your life. It is open right. to everybody. It's not yeah. political. It's not religious. Mm-hmm. 
And it was, it's super beautiful because that's something I always believed in my heart, even though the atmosphere around me was, you have to be in the word of God or you're not really a Christian. You're not really saved. You have to do this. You have Mm to pledge for the rest of your life. You can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Constantly comparing yourself to other people. And um, Mm -hmm. so that was the beginning for me of realizing that this was actually what I always believed, like in totally in line with my beliefs, totally in line with my Mm -hmm. religious practice. And what I always believed is that, you know, we're responsible to, to God. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and everyone has their own path. And I certainly had my own path that I was very protective of, but actually that's when I first started experiencing it kind of started happening when I, when you have six months sober, you can support people who are in treatment. Okay. So I began to do that. And that's when I kind of experienced that other people sharing with me that God could work through other people for me. Hmm. Like I believe I could, but God could work through me for other people, but I didn't believe that. Like I had a terrible time. You have to get a sponsor. You have to like, yeah. Oh my God, you have to call people that get numbers from people at meetings and call them, but you have to ask for permission to make a phone call. You have to have someone sit with you and listen with you. It was like my worst nightmare. Wow. I have like phone phobia. I mean, I grew up with a landline and eight people in a house. Like, I was like, I can barely like call my best friend when I've had a bottle of wine in my backyard smoking a cigarette. How am I... How am I doing this? And I don't know how I got away with it. I really yeah. wow. just stayed in the kitchen and cleaned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole time. But it was, which really, you know, it took me a long time to open up to people and really trust that people didn't have intentions of trying to convert me or trying to make me believe a certain way. And right. I also didn't feel like I deserved for anyone to listen to me, hmm. you know? Hmm. So it took about two years till I finally had somebody that, um, and yeah. I was actually got court ordered to do my fourth step, which is like a, uh, inventory. And you talk about okay. all of your resentments, yeah. your fears, you kind of make a list, all the, the wrongs that, that you've committed and things like mm-hmm. that. And, um, I really loved the idea of sorting everything out because I've always been sure. a person that goes over all of my mistakes and tries to figure mm-hmm. out where I could have prevented them. And that's yeah. something that I learned, I picked up growing up that yeah. you have always have to be like, and like the chronic worrying and this stuff. And yeah. I desperately wanted to have that, but I didn't know how to do it. And I actually got yeah. ordered to do my fourth step wow. because I was yeah. sober and I was like acting crazy and I didn't know I was acting yeah. crazy. I was mm. still, that's the really disappointing thing about being sober is that you can't blame alcohol for all your problems anymore because you find out you're the problem. Sure. <laughs> you're just like, oh no. Right. Yeah. Right. I um, I'm curious about, and if this is a, you know, if there's no connection here for you, which is great. I'm <laughs> I'm curious about the inventory and the fourth step, um, and confession as a mm-hmm. Catholic ritual because I um. I know when I was little, I used to do that kind of like keeping the list in my head through the week mm-hmm. of, okay, I have to confess this yep. and this and this. And then, you know, you go and you 
but it it did always feel kind of good to to get it out in some way and to have that sort of like okay you're forgiven you know that moment of reconciliation yeah gosh i love confession yeah it just is a way for because i feel so guilty all the time it was a way for me to sort of start over and forgive myself a little bit um yeah so what you do in the fourth step you work with with somebody else who helps you kind of sort it all out and then the fifth step is you share it with somebody and it doesn't have to be your sponsor it can be a priest okay somebody that you trust and you tell them all the stuff so you have to share it not only with god but another human being and um, so that is like confession okay and a, a big part of what you do is you take your part so in any resentment i might have like um i don't know like Mm-hmm. trying to think of an example like this job that I took I I had expectations that it was going to be like the management was going to treat me well and yeah. I have a part in that my part is expectations my part right, is right. I'm self-centered I'm sensitive I take things personally and that mm-hmm. helps me like release that so that's one of the things that mm-hmm. you're taught to do yeah. is sort of take your part so that you're not burdened you know, right. with all that. And that's sort of another thing I, that I learned through like working with steps is, and being in, in AA is that forgiveness is a process. Mm. And because yeah. I always thought you have to forgive somebody immediately, no matter what. Right. Right. But why am I still so angry? Right. And, you know, and I read this, there's this book called the spirituality of imperfection which really borrows from a lot of different cultures. And it says like, sometimes you're not ready to, when you're not ready to forgive somebody, you can just, you could just say, God, please give that so-and-so what they deserve Hmm. because, because you're releasing it because that's, what's going to happen anyway. It's not a curse. You're not saying, please make that person be miserable. You're just saying, yeah you know it's not up to you yeah i think that's brilliant in in a way of just being like it's okay and something i do when i'm feeling really angry and that that's a feeling that makes me really uncomfortable it took me a long time to feel angry about anything that had happened to me is i'll just open a a draft of an email with no address and i'll just let the person have it and i'll (laughs) tell you i'm like a lawyer i will (laughs) get your case thrown out of court yeah. You did this. You were wrong this way. <laughs> I mean, I could really. Yeah. I feel like I'm angry. I have an angry rapper in me someday that's yeah. gonna come out and just be dissing people mm-hmm, at some point mm-hmm. in my in my musical career. <laughs> because well, that's what stand up for. Yeah. It is. It's, it's a good way of 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 venting. Oh yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it is. And letting totally. yourself be, you know, be extremely sarcastic or be extremely you know, whatever your personality or rip on men or rip on whoever you want to rip on without really any consequences. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good, a good I'm way to do to it. I'm excited to stand up now. Yeah. You yeah. should. It's fascinating. Oh, yeah. I've been writing something. So we'll see. Oh, awesome. Very good. Well, if you, if I can help in any way. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks. It's very liberating. It's very, since you like the theater, it's very, it's an experiment, the whole thing. Yeah. You're totally dependent on the audience. Yeah. You know, we were talking about your relationship with music and how community kind of influenced that. And I'm 
just curious like to hear about um yeah just to hear about that a little bit if you're if you're willing to talk about it sure um music was the first thing i discovered that changed my mood that that made me feel different and i it was an escape for me so um and it was my first it's my first drug of choice really <laughs> long before i started you know and later on in my life i found other things but yeah. um i'm so grateful that it's it's a gift that's creative so it's not mm -hmm. destructive even though i get right, all these right, wonderful right. feelings from it and it's not always instant gratification like I have to practice. Yeah. It's hard yeah. work. There's a lot of like printing off lyrics and, mm -hmm. you know, grunt work that goes along with it and moving equipment. And mm -hmm. it's not all glitz and glamour. It's like, yeah, not, you're not, not always getting the payoff, but, um, yeah. So um, music is just always, I feel like my brain is just designed for music. It's, lyrics are the only thing I can memorize. I could never memorize the math, the mathematical tables, any of the yeah. stuff in school, unless I put a song to it and then I could remember it. Oh, so wow. my parents are both very like, both all my, everyone in my family loves music. So mm -hmm. we were allowed to listen to like Motown and like some bluegrass and, mm -hmm. you know, Willie Nelson and Will and Jennings and, um, there was this group called uh crap what were they called there were a couple groups on the word of god one was called the lighthouse yeah yeah where they had dancers i wanted to be a lighthouse dancer so bad my sister and i would dress up and wear like leotards and these these like long shiny skirts wow. that's Rachel so funny McCormick our first same thing yeah our first guess the same the same thing. Thing. yeah yep oh my god <laughs> It was magical. That's really cute. And yeah. dress up like we had little fake microphones and there's lots of pictures of my sister and I. Oh that was God. one of our favorite games. And we I would do radio know. shows a lot, which is so funny because that's kind of like what podcasts are. Right. Yeah. Right. You're you're interviewing each other and you know, we're talking yeah. about dumb stuff like what what does elephant poop look like? You know, just dumb <laughs> dumb kid that's stuff, really like cute. nothing ever. And um I think I recorded, I recorded, my mom was really mad at me because I recorded over some of those tapes because I would write, make radio mixes. We were kind of talking about that earlier. Oh, yeah. Where mm -hmm. you get, you get like a 30 second clip of um, Bobby Brown or some song yeah. and you put that in yeah. your Walkman and then that's your like, that's your fix. That's what you yep. have to yep. listen to. So I think part of the reason I started, you know, memorizing music is so I could just like play it to myself because there was a lot of yeah. stuff that like i wasn't allowed to listen to that i would either see at a friend's house or here on the i hear on the radio in a store somewhere and i would just yeah. be dying like i needed that yeah um, it wasn't accessible all the time so you just kept it in your head no yeah. and the yeah especially and growing up with a lot of musicals like right. Disney movies and musicals yeah yeah and leave it to beaver yeah. for some reason was okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't know why in Sesame so Street but not the electric yeah, company yeah. right, so right, right. I remember yeah. being in school I was in third grade and the whole class was watching the electric company and I had to go mm -hmm. in the other room because my parents oh, wow. would not permit me to watch it and yeah. I 
was miserable. Yeah. I don't, I still haven't watched it. I don't know why it's evil. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm Mr. Not sure Rogers really. was fine. Something. Yeah. But it was really, it seemed really random. And the one thing I always wanted to watch was the love boat. Cause my parents would watch that. Mm. And I would actually watch it, watch my neighbor's TV through their window. <laughs> oh. And so then cute. when I ended wow. up, um, after my, my DUI adventures, I actually ended up in jail for a week mm-hmm. and I caught myself doing that, watching the TV without the sound. And that rem- oh, like wow. reminded me of that. Wow. And, um, Interesting. Yeah. as a result, like I, I only became a, I only, like I had cable for the first time, maybe five years ago. I yeah, got a really wow. late start to using the internet. So I'm, I'm really glad I saved my my crime show binging for being sober because for a lot of people that I know that they would be alone, watch the TV and drink. And that was a trigger for them. Oh, right. right. So, but it's something I can easily get really addicted to it. More new for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely went through, went through the first time having cable where I just didn't really do anything else. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also a way of learning about the world. Like recently watching reality shows and, um, just different ways of life that I have no idea yeah. about, you know? Yeah. And, what have you been yeah. watching? Um, I don't have really fancy cable, so I've been watching, um, I watch Hoarders a lot. That's kind of oh, my Sunday yeah. routine. Oh, yeah. Is that I watch Hoarders and then clean. Um, another thing that I'm, I'm really late to, I started watching is Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How's that been? <laughs> It makes me feel like a really interesting person. Right. Yes. Because I feel like a lot of the stuff that is so yeah. surface that happens. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not to criticize anybody, but I absolutely no. cannot relate to having that much money. Right. No. Um, yeah. And just the lifestyle that they have. And it's it's been messing with me a lot because it's making me feel like I need to get plastic surgery because I'm getting older. Oh. And I'm like wow mm, what if i did look like yeah. that maybe I, i've like gone so far as to research botox and yeah luckily yeah. i can't afford any of those things right yeah and, um, i've gained some weight through quarantine as most people mm-hmm. have partly due to the fact that i was eating cake nonstop because of my cake therapy yeah. <laughs> and i couldn't give it away because it's covid so nobody wants my right. oh my god potentially yeah. covid self cake you don't waste it. i couldn't yeah. and then i couldn't give it away fast enough because i am as a recovering alcoholic, I'm also a sugar addict because alcohol right. makes a lot of sugar. So the, I never cared. I wasn't allowed to eat sweets growing up. So mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. was cared about it. And then ever since I got yeah. sober, all I want is cake. Yeah. Interesting. And one of my yeah. sponsors was like, what is it about cake? And I was like, what is it not about cake? Yeah. yeah. It's not <laughs> There's frosting. There's layers in it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's pretty much like the ultimate yeah. right, me. right so right that's so, another um, thing that a lot of people that i've struggled with that definitely can be an addiction yeah yeah and i've struggled with like my i did a report in fourth grade on anorexia mm. in here on valley school mm. and i don't know why they oh, let wow. me do that because i yeah. it messed me up i started like oh. counting things and writing down what I was eating. And then, um, wow. it really changed my brain. And in high school, I started, um, like binge eating to numb out mm. 
Um, yeah. And I was really heavy and I had really bad self-esteem and mm. I was a super late bloomer. And, and I felt ugly all the time because in high school, I mm. wasn't allowed to wear makeup. I wasn't allowed to shave my legs for some reason. Oh, wow. Or my armpits. Mm. Oh. And I had to still have a dress code in public high school and wear like oh, ugly wow. woolen yeah. skirts. Right. Um, they below the knee. The craziest right. rule to me was like the earrings can't go below your earlobe. Did you ever? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about, about that, that one. Nylons wow. are evil, but opaque tights are fine. Blue jeans, not yeah. allowed. I was like, does wow. God really care about this stuff? I don't think so. Right, right. I don't understand. Yeah. And so that oh going gosh. to the public high school after Huron Valley School was really when I started having a lot of doubts for the first time. And I was, it was also a huge culture shock because I was like, what do you mean you didn't do your homework? Like that's an option. Right. Yeah. And kids right. talking back to the wow. teachers. I was mortified and there's a boy sitting next to me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a lot. It is a lot. Oh my God. You're I was taken. like such a nerd. I was. I, I mean, I can relate were. to that. So yeah, I think. I, I mean, I was scandalized. Yeah, part of, part yeah, of the culture yeah. that we were in. I didn't yes. know people were. I didn't know people were drinking. I didn't know of right. anything. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, allowed to. I was in choir, but I wasn't allowed to play sports. And I was really into basketball, and that was really hard for me. And the reason I couldn't was because practice happened, like, from five to seven, which was during we had family dinner chores from five to six and then we had dinner at six o'clock yeah. so that's literally the reason i couldn't play sports because that wow. was a requirement so i don't know if that was like mm -hmm. a word of god thing or just my parents weird thing yeah i was gonna say the um it's interesting you bring up the kardashians because i think i think in a lot of ways that show is like the antithesis of how we grew up and mm -hmm. we did we had a five o'clock cleanup time six o'clock dinner we did the same thing okay um Chores and we did rotation. i you know when you were saying earlier about some of the more like kind of hippie domestic stuff of like we all know how to make bread we all know how to do <laughs> these chores like i think that's definitely a community thing we yeah. my mom gave me this cookbook from when she lived on a on a farm in a household and it's called um doing more with less and it's just like very simple ingredients with like really basic healthy i remember that and... book yeah oh, wow. yeah yeah and um yeah. yeah so i also find it fascinating to watch shows like the kardashians or things where it's so i think even the families and community who maybe could have lived not that kind of a lifestyle but a more lavish lifestyle were choosing not to everything yeah. extra was given away so there was just no option yeah. or exposure to that kind of extravagance yeah. like oh, even right. if you could afford to buy a you know designer dress you never would it's, no. a, it's just, yeah it's very very mm -hmm. interesting to me to to see wow. those kind of stories yeah yeah very yeah anti-materialist very well us growing up was very like materialism was a big evil right yeah right right and I've yeah. always been like, I, well, I've never had any money. I can't afford to be materialistic. Yeah. yeah. It makes the thing it's not important proud. to me. I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Oh, you're good. I was, it makes me think of my prom. I went to Father Gabriel Shard High School in Ann Arbor, mm. which is um, 
part of community uh, or the founders were part of community. And somehow, somehow adjacent. it's adjacent to community. It's connected. <laughs> it's connected. Yeah. Um, but that was a still ironically kind of a culture shock for me. Um, and I specifically remember prom being one of those because I got my dress from H&M for $10. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, well, thank you so much for talking with us and yeah. sharing all of this with us. It's so um, interesting to me to hear all the ways that, you know, things are different or similar. And, and it's, I think like, you know, like we were talking earlier about how listening to someone else can be healing for you too, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that I've definitely felt that today. Like a lot of what you said is like, giving me new perspective and oh so cool thank you for that yeah i appreciate yeah. that that's awesome it's, it's, for me i'm taking a lot of advice yeah. <laughs> like wow taking notes like i mean i'm 25 so right i feel like i'm i'm still in a in a stage of life where i'm like processing a lot of this mm-hmm. so it's really really helpful to like hear from people who have so much more experience than i do processing the culture and the negative and the positive ways so I'm right very grateful kind of finding your finding yeah. your place and finding a way to let it integrate it into yourself totally and let yeah. it be, yeah be a part of you because i was very disconnected from it for a really long time and it felt like it didn't happen or it happened to somebody else yeah yeah and oh, so that. <laughs> in that in that way i was i was not only not healing from from any of the the trauma, I was also mm-hmm. not experiencing the benefits or having some peace and having some forgiveness about it to where yeah. I can, I can say, you know, these are the good things that came out of it. And right. um, I think one of the other really benefits is like, um, I feel like my family and a lot of the families um, are very hospitable. Like this yeah. thing about opening your home to people. And I think that's why I've I mm-hmm. am a really good server because I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> I like to yeah. make people feel yep. comfortable. I like to make people happy. So that's something that's actually like I've made my living off of for a long yeah. time. But yeah. Well, I'll be uh, following well, you guys you. and seeing where this goes. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh thank my gosh. So I can't yeah. wait. I'm going to watch your cake therapy yes. and definitely let us know when your stories are ready to be shared. Yes. I'd love to see those. And, you know, we definitely want to promote, make those. sure people who listen <laughs> to the podcast know about it too. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm really, yeah, I'm really awesome. excited and I just got to find the time to write and this summer I'm not yeah. working as much. So this is kind of, Oh, good. And then it's been 30 years. It kind of feels like this is the time. Yeah, dig into yeah. it and I'm really inspired by what you all are doing and oh, and thanks. you know that's the most important thing just helping each other yeah yeah absolutely Definitely. absolutely I, I love that we're able to still still have this community you know and mm-hmm. still support each other right. in the ways that we were taught to after the community yeah, yeah exactly exactly the post community which is exactly what I need <laughs> because it yeah. can, it's something yeah. that a lot of people understand. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, thank well, you everyone thank you. for yeah. listening. Uh, and we will be on, we are on Spotify now. Oh, cool. yeah. Just a little announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be on Apple and Google podcasts soon as well. So uh, you'll be able to keep listening. We'll keep posting and thank you again, Elizabeth. This was amazing. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. 
It was. We'll talk yeah. to you soon. All yeah. right. Sounds great. We'll be in touch. Have a great rest okay. of your day. Thank you so bye. much. All right. Bye.